It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. We love summer fun. Lidl has you covered with our summer toys range. With our garden inflatables and water play centres, hard-wearing outdoor games and plenty of ideas to keep your kids entertained on those long summer days. Hurry down to see our full range on offer in-store or search Lidl Summer online. While stocks last, Lidl, more for you. Welcome back into the Sports Memo College Football Every Game on the Board podcast. This is a segment with Robbie Vino. We're going 365, Kent State, Mississippi, down to the end of the card, 411, 412, Eastern Michigan, San Diego State. We'll start it right off, kind of kind of get right at it here with two high flying offenses. One of, if not the highest total game on the card for Saturday. Kent State at Old Miss, 75 and a half the total, 28 and a half. The Ole Miss Rebels laying at home in Oxford. Robbie, how are you looking about this one? Well, you know, there's really no other way to look at Ole Miss except to play them over the number unless it's just too high to get there uh, at 75 and a half. Maybe an opportunity considering the fact that Kent State is now a Dino Babers style offense under the new head coaching regime. Teams averaging 78 plays per game. Their games all told right now averaging 156 plays per game which fits right in with the way Ole Miss wants to play um you know Ole Miss certainly is going to score Drew Kent gave up 63 last week to uh Penn State and haven't been good on defense all season long but their offense like I say is up tempo and Mississippi State has a hard time stopping anybody so perhaps there's opportunity here I wouldn't get involved with the side too much uh but maybe the total at 75 and a half does present a little opportunity Robbie, moving right down the card, three six seven, three six eight. Rice, Southern Miss. Always interesting whenever you're talking Rice. One of the worst football teams in Division One. Fifty three, the total. Southern Miss laying fourteen at home. How you looking to bet it? Yeah, it's um. You wonder what's going to happen with the quarterback situation at Southern Miss, right? Jack Abraham has stepped in and done such a good job for Southern Miss, leading them offensively. But now the suspension is over for Quadric Griggs, the previous starter. I mean, a kid who had 16 uh, touchdowns, only two interceptions last year, projected to be the starter this season. So I just wonder how that quarterback situation is going to go. I haven't really read anything definitive about how this is going to play out. I think Griggs will see time, maybe not start here. It makes the Southern Miss offense a little more potent. Surprisingly, you know, Rice has been a better offensive team than defensive team so far this year. Totals come down 55 and a half down to 53 and a half. Uh, I don't have a heck of a lot of interest in this one simply because 
I don't know about the Southern Miss quarterback situation until I see it on the field. Uh, but Rice, you know, under the new regime has been a little bit more 60-minute competitive than they were last year. They don't roll up and, and fold up shop. They, they play it out the entire distance. So maybe 14 is a little heavy in a conference game. Uh, like I say, the quarterback situation though, keeps me off. Robbie, interesting here in the SEC and SEC West matchup, 58 being the total between Arkansas and Auburn. You rarely see a point spread this big of 30. Auburn is laying 30 against Arkansas in Jordan-Hare at night. You think War Eagle covers it? Well, that's a good question. I mean, they're obviously the better team here in the trenches. I don't think there's any question about that. Arkansas, from what we've seen of their offensive line under Chad Morrison, remember, this is an extreme rebuild. Again, um, one of the most drastic rebuilds offensively in the country. But the offensive line hasn't been good. The defensive line doesn't apply a heck of a lot of pressure. Auburn does both on their sides of the football. So the mismatch in the trenches is huge. The fact that Arkansas is allowing 300 passing yards per game to me is a key for this one, Drew, because Auburn, a team that is run first oriented, will have the opportunity to make big plays through the air here. And anytime Auburn can become balanced, they're really good on uh, on the offensive side. The numbers skyrocketed, though, from 24 to 30. It's hard to give that extra touchdown here. I know Auburn's the better team. I know they want to bounce back from LSU. Um, you know, when you look at the total of 58, question becomes how much do you think Arkansas can score against that Auburn defense, which is likely to be all over quarterback tie story all day long. Um, it's tough for me either way here. Like I say, there's been huge movement on side, movement on total, but I don't know that I could play either. Robbie, we got uh, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, 371, 372, 75 and a half the total. Oklahoma State laying two touchdowns at home in Stillwater. Yeah, a game where history, uh, series history, really dictates just going ahead and blindly playing over uh, in this one, Drew. A Texas Tech, for all the preseason you know, doubts about will the offense be the same? There's so many people being replaced here that those questions have been erased. Texas Tech moves the ball up and down the field just like they ever have under Cliff Kingsbury. And prior to that, under Mike Leach for Oklahoma State, they absolutely opened up the eyes of many last week with that huge win against Boise State. And it's worth repeating that, you know, defensive coordinator Jim Knowles, who came over from Duke and the, the lot of the preseason thought on Oklahoma State was they're not as good offensively this year. We're going to downgrade them. But that defense and the aggressiveness of that defense was on full display last week against Boise. Oklahoma State right now, Drew, only allowing 296 yards per game. And when you throw Boise into that mix, that's a pretty good number. So I think they have a certain uh, degree of advantage here defensively, certainly good enough to make a couple of stops against Texas Tech. The question will be how much did Oklahoma State leave on the field in that big game last week against Boise? Will they be up and have the same focus uh, in this conference matchup as they had last week? Robbie, 373-374, Navy SMU. Navy laying seven or six and a half on the road this is a good one to shop around because of the number 62 the total yeah we saw within the last hour this game bump up 
toward Navy. Um, a little bit of action here on the midshipmen within the last 60 minutes. Uh, you know, the one thing that comes to mind here, Drew, and I wonder how well Navy um, adjusts because when I look at SMU's offense, and granted, it's not running on the same cylinders as Hawaii's, but it's similar to what Hawaii runs out there with their run and shoot, uh, this air raid system. Uh, employed by SMU right now. And Navy had their hands full with the receivers uh, and the passing game of Hawaii. They got behind so big, 28 to nothing, that their ground game couldn't get back into it. Now, I don't think they're going to get behind 28 to nothing by any stretch of the imagination. But the question in this one really does become the total more than the the uh, side can Navy stop SMU, which hasn't been good on offense, but you have to figure at some point this offense is going to click. And seeing what I saw from Navy's D against the Hawaii passing game makes me think SMU might be able to find their way to 28, 30 points with Navy, certainly. And that triple option, I think, is going to cause a heck of a lot of problems for SMU. So, you know, we might look towards over, haven't pulled the trigger yet, but maybe we can get there with that. Robbie, we got a Sunbelt clash with Coastal Carolina. The Chanticleers heading to Lafayette to take on Louisiana Lafayette. Two and a half bought up to four. Lafayette's laying at home. 64 and a half the total. How would you look to bet this one? You know, I might have gotten there um, with the over if it was a little bit cheaper, but I don't think at this price. For, for Coastal Carolina, Kilton Anderson, the quarterback, certainly making a name for himself since that South Carolina game where, you know, they were just in over their heads. But since that point, Coastal's put up a lot of offense behind their quarterback. Um, and certainly here against UL Lafayette, a team that's put up poor defensive numbers so far this season, you would expect that they could move the football. On the other side, I know UL Lafayette likes to run Trey Regis first, the big running back. Uh, He's got a, a huge yards per carry average already this season and should be able to find some daylight against Coastal's defense. If that happens, you know, UL Lafayette won't have to lean on quarterback Nunez too much and they could slow the game down somewhat with the ground game uh, taking taking over for them and maybe chewing up some clock. So for that reason, not too sure on that total. I don't think I'll get there. The, the game is pushed from Lafayette two and a half all the way to minus four. Might be able to see that, but again, the defensive side of the football, a real cause of concern for the Raging Cajuns at this point. Robbie, we got 377-378 UNLV going on the road to play Arkansas State. Looks like our ASU laying seven and a half here. Interesting line, 67 and a half the total. You like this one? Well, you know, we're going to have a little bit of a question of weather in this game drew there's thunderstorms all day long uh down there in jonesboro but by game time and this game time was switched uh to seven o'clock at night eastern time six o'clock central time but the rain subsides a little bit once you get to like nine o'clock at night so this one could be played on a wet track in jonesboro unlv has been certainly an offensive juggernaut where the rushing game is concerned but it's been built upon two lousy defenses right so you wonder how they'll fare here against the uh against the arkansas state defense arkansas state's certainly been through a little bit tougher schedule at this point in time but i don't know that they've seen anything like the rushing attack that they're going to see out of quarterback Armani Rogers and running back Lexington Thomas, a couple of guys who could find their ways to over a thousand yards rushing this year. 
those zone read style offenses they do cause trouble for teams but i think arkansas state on the other side just enhancing and company on a dry track i i guarantee you i would have figured this game to hit over 70 points drew but you know with what we see for weather conditions maybe not this time it'd be interesting to see how it plays out Robbie, big battle in Texas here. TCU bounce back mode going uh, on the road to Austin to play Texas. And laying three, 47 and a half the total. TCU's kind of owned this series of late. You think it continues? I think talent-wise it should continue. Um, and that's not to say that if we line them up player for player, five-star for five-star, that TCU has the more talented uh recruits on their team however team wise if we do it collectively as a team talent i think tcu certainly the better squad here i'm not a firm believer in what texas did last week to usc i think that exposes more of usc's problems than it does texas's progress after two lousy games to start the year the question here drew is can tcu pick themselves up off the mat after the ohio state game where they were hit with one really quick punch 20 points in about five minutes after leading a game where they led 21-13 at plus 12 and a half. You thought you were in really, really good shape. Now, you still wind up covering the 12 and a half, lose only 40 to 28, but still Ohio State threw that point spread scare into you. Um, I, I just believe in Gary Patterson and his ability to coach both on the field, X's and O's, and psychologically with his team. I think he'll have them ready to go here. It's another game that could be affected somewhat by thunderstorms i don't know if we'll see a delay in the game or whatever but it does forecast for um uh, about 50 percent chance of thunderstorms in this contest sean robinson showed me last week quarterback at tcu that he can play in the biggest of big games so i have no problem there anymore i just think tcu is the better team and if i had to lean i would lean that way yeah i'm with you 381-382 army oklahoma looks like the sooners laying 31 at home in norman 62 and a half the total robbie yeah, I don't know how much interest there is from Oklahoma here, but they're always Lincoln Riley is always interested in scoring points. And that's one thing you can count on with Oklahoma. They just no matter if it's a sleepwalk game or a sandwich game, whatever you want to call it, um, Oklahoma's always interested in running up numbers. And the Army defense really has no chance uh, as far as keeping up with the speed and athleticism of Oklahoma other side of the coin how well will oklahoma defend the army option which surprisingly this season drew has added a little bit of a little bit more of a passing element to it army's been pretty good throwing the football and when you get so many guys to commit we see it with all the triple option teams when defenses commit he, there's always somebody running free if you want to go up and over the top with the aerial attack. So it, we'll see how oklahoma handles uh, the navy offense here uh, the army offense here if they're good sideline to sideline and discipline uh run discipline wise they'll probably win huge but um i I wouldn't bank on it i think army with 31 can lower the possessions in the game enough to maybe come through and cover that number robbie heading down to louisiana we got louisiana tech at lsu looks like lsu 20 they're giving up as a home team 51 and a half the total yeah you know this might be the best version of Louisiana Tech that we've seen in a few years, so it's certainly no easy, uh, no easy game for the LSU team here, especially after the Auburn win. 
we're talking one more time about a team that has to get over last Saturday and get on with the remainder of their schedule. Does LSU enter this game with as much focus as Louisiana Tech's going to enter? Because they were off last week. It's an in-state game. Certainly, Skip Holtz uh, is a good motivator for his club. And like I say, they've got talent. Quarterback Jamar Smith and that receiving crew, they're really good. And the defensive side of the football is really good this year. Um, Certainly by Conference USA standards, they're one of the contenders, along with North Texas and Florida Atlantic, to win that conference. Not easy for LSU. And I don't know how much uh, other people out there believe in LSU's offense covering this type of number I'm not so sure I'm there yet Joe Burrow only hitting about 46% of his passes like I say Louisiana Tech will be motivated they've got good talent I'd almost um, you know look to play the underdog here and not just play them maybe play them um, you know fairly well I think Louisiana Tech plus points as long as they don't you know give up turnovers and short fields and stuff like that because the LSU defense can be a menace but I don't think LSU is really capable of, you know, offensively going in and just pounding Louisiana Tech here. Rob Vino, 24 and 16, 60% plus 11 units on the year in NFL and college football. You can get his full season package at sportsmemo.com and a special podcast coupon of just type in podcast, all lowercase, when you're checking out with Robbie Vino, Teddy Covers, Brent Crow, whatever handicapper you choose, and you'll get an extra $100 off of the already discounted price, which we discounted this week. Check that out at sportsmemo.com. Robbie, we're going to the uh, depths of the Big 12 here with Kansas Baylor, 55 and a half the total. Somebody's got to be favored. It's Baylor, seven and a half. Yeah, which team is on the bigger resurgence here this year, right, Drew? I mean, that 55-point performance against Rutgers last week, certainly, um, you know, you can read it one of two ways. Rutgers is horrendous. Kansas is getting better. I think I would put a little bit of both of those into the equation. Rutgers is decimated on defense, and they just don't have a good offense at this point in time. Uh, Kansas scored a couple of defensive touchdowns last week in that game, which helped. But they're an improved ball club. I mean, talent-wise, they're not good enough to get out of the Big 12 cellar yet, but that doesn't mean that they haven't improved under the tenure of David Beatty. I think they have. We Both of the key players in this game, quarterback Peyton Bender on the Kansas side, Denzel Mims, the top wide receiver on the Baylor side, both look like they're going to play, which would add to the offensive capabilities in this game. I think both of these teams can take advantage of the opposing defenses here. Um, I think the defensive numbers are a little bit phonied up in Kansas's case, obviously, when they're only allowing 294 yards per game. That's a bit phony. I think Baylor can take advantage. And KU has found some semblance of a ground game here behind freshman Puka Williams, 283 yards in just two games. So maybe the total, Drew, it looks a little a little small to me at 55 and a half. It's been bet down um, continuously. All week long, maybe because of the unknown status until about a day or so ago of Peyton Bender, the quarterback for KU, maybe for other reasons. But I think it's a good time to step in and maybe play over. Robbie, the SEC East matchup, South Carolina at Vandy. Looks like South Carolina laying two on the road, 54 and a half the total. I'll tell you what Will Muschamp's been able to do there for South Carolina has been impressive. But this number just shows, you know, Vandy, Vandy's been impressive this year. They've uh, kind of over-exceeded expectations. you think it continues? 
Well, certainly at home. And with that defense, uh, we saw it last week against Notre Dame. Now, remember, Notre Dame was very one-dimensional. Uh, and, and Vanderbilt had the pass defense to keep them one-dimensional. So they're able to stay in that football game. Uh, they had chances to win that football game. Certainly the offense left some points on the field for Vandy in that contest. So I think that Derek Mason has to be happy with his club right now. The question for me, Drew, really becomes what is Will Muschamp going to do offensively in this game? There were a couple of comments from him after that Georgia game where, you know, we all thought it was maybe fraudulent back in the spring when it was, you know, said to be that he was going to allow offensive coordinator Brian McClendon go to an up-tempo offense. And Will Muschamp never has had an up-tempo offense, and I didn't believe it until I saw it in the spring game. They ran it to start the season. They tried to run it against Georgia. They got buried. And all of a sudden, after the game, Will Muschamp is backtracking off of this up-tempo defense, uh, up-tempo offense. I don't know what they're going to be offensively in this game. If I knew they were going to stick to their guns and let Jake Bentley run the show and let Debo Samuel make plays um, and go fast, I might be on their side on the road. But this is a game for me to watch and just see how Will Muschamp reacts. He's He, like Jim Harbaugh, are two guys that just get in the way of the offense. They should let it go. We're going to see what Muschamp allows McClendon to call here on Saturday. Robbie, heading to the, to the Sun Belt, actually Sun Belt AAC matchup here. South Alabama, Memphis, looks like uh, 67's the total, and USA catching 31 on the road in Memphis. Yeah, and Memphis offense uh, continues to roll, Drew. Is the defense good enough? to cover 31 boy that would be my question here quarterback Evan Orth for South Alabama not only their number one quarterback and leading passer but he's now the leading rusher on that team as well so you've got a dual threat quarterback doing just about everything for South Alabama who's been through I think he's the third or fourth quarterback uh, since the spring Dallas Davis left Cole Garvin was supposed to step in Uh, he gets benched Orth is now the guy Obviously, with Memphis, when you're laying 31, and they can score in bunches. We saw it on TV last week. Um, But I'm not sold that the defense is good enough to cover a 31-point number. I think South Alabama might be able to get enough done here with their offense because their defense is horrendous so far this year. I mean, you have to – if when you handicap this game, you have to at least sit down and think or believe that Memphis is – you know, due to get 52 in this contest. Now, can you come through and get 21, a little better than 21? That's the question to be answered. I think South Alabama against the Memphis defense is able to do that. Robbie, 391-392, Air Force, Utah State, 59 the total. Looks like Utah State laying 10.5 at home. A little shocked at the fact that the total's been pushed down so hard, Drew, 63.5 all the way down to 59.5. The fact that Jordan Love and Utah State have put up huge, huge numbers, albeit against inferior competition the last two weeks. But how about the 31 against Michigan State and the fact that he threw for over 300 yards against that Michigan State defense? I think the Utah State offense is for real. Air Force last week went to Florida Atlantic pulled the San Diego State against Bryce Love basically and just sold out against the run and allowed Florida Atlantic to come up with a new find at quarterback and throw for over 400 yards. So um, Air Force can't sell out against anything here against Utah State because Utah State is so terrifically balanced, both run and pass. 
And also, you know, I'm not so sure that we can believe in Utah State's defense yet. Let's face it. They were hit pretty hard by Michigan State, even though they were in the game the whole way. It's still a 38-31 final. And they've played two lousy um, FCS teams since then. So what do we really know about Utah State's defense and how they'll, if they'll be able to handle the Air Force option offense, which right now has a pair of quarterbacks more than capable since the emergence of Isaiah Sanders last couple of games. Um, to me, a little bit surprised the total has come down. Not real surprised that Utah State has gone up point spread-wise. The love affair with Utah State is on. Um, I just don't know how much you make out of it after the last two weeks. I know the Michigan State game certainly was a proving ground for Robbie, we got a big rivalry game here in uh, New Mexico State versus UTEP. It's uh, it's kind of the depths of Division One football here, but we got New Mexico State laying three and a half on the road in El Paso, with a total of forty-eight and a half in the Battle of I-10. You got any recommendations here? <laughs> Probably stay away from this game would be the best recommendation. <laughs> it's just hard, Drew. It really is. I mean, Dana Dimmel's got his hands full down there with the rebuild at UTEP. It was left in a shambles to him. Um, He's trying to implement some things from Kansas State that he brought with him that just take time. Let's face it. They take time. And New Mexico State's a team that's already we're five games into the season and they've been pummeled, defeated, beaten. Their expectations to start the year when they took the field against Wyoming were huge. Um, They've not won a game yet. Uh, It's going to be hard for Doug Martin to pick his team up off the canvas here. And like I say, especially since they played so many games in so few days, they do have a new quarterback here, Josh Adkins, that they're going to go with. Um, UTEP, like we say, just the the implementation of new systems on both sides of the ball going to take time. So lousy game, lousy teams. Uh, New Mexico State seems to be attracting some action, but it's not mine. Okay, moving down the card. Staying in Texas, though. Texas State at Texas San Antonio looks like uh, UTSA laying seven at home, 50 the total, Robbie. Yeah, Texas San Antonio has been through a pretty tough schedule to start the year by their standards, right? They play Arizona State. Can't they, San Antonio can't do anything offensively, but we've seen Herm Edwards has a good defense there. They play Baylor, who's certainly better than Texas San Antonio is, and then they play Kansas State, who also shut them down with their defense. So, now when you get to play Everett Withers, Texas State team, some offensive numbers, all the offensive numbers for Texas San Antonio that look lousy right now could get a real improvement here this week because this is the first time they're playing an opponent that they can probably move the football against and move it consistently. The same said for Texas State here. They found themselves a quarterback in dual threat QB, Willie Jones the third. Everett Withers has nothing but praise for his quarterback. Um, he's led a couple of good offensive efforts the last two weeks, and they're going to play a Texas San Antonio defense that has shown some holes so far this season. Again, a little bit surprised with the movement here. 53 down to 50. Uh, obviously, there's rain projected in a few places in the state of Texas and even in Jonesboro, Arkansas, but this game's played in a dome. Weather won't affect it. Um, I feel like that total, Drew, has been bet down just on previous results and not really examining what went on in all those games and what might be uh, the result of this one when these two forces come together. 
Robbie, heading down to the Sun Belt, interesting uh, movement in this line. Troy opened seven, now down to four and a half or five on the road in Louisiana Monroe. Um, 60 the total. You have any opinion here? Uh, the Warhawks taking money. You know, you really have to just take a stance on which one you believe in more, Drew. Do you believe in the Troy defense, which since that Boise State beatdown, has been really good. I think they're giving up under five yards per play last two games. Very, very good numbers by the Troy defense. Or do you believe in that, you know, um, explosive UL Monroe offense behind Caleb Evans and company? That's the question that you run up against here when you're playing this game. Um, you know, to me, I think Troy's defense is good enough. UL Monroe's offense, for those who don't know, it's spread, but it's a lot more horizontal side to side than it is vertical down the field. And I just feel like Troy's defense and their speed on that side of the ball can handle side to side. They did last year, for sure. Um, And if you can stop a couple of those UL Monroe drives, I think Troy's getting their offense figured out. Losing quarterback Brandon Silvers was tough for them had to replace him it didn't come easy in that first game but it's been better for Troy the last two I think I probably stand a little more on the Troy defense side than I do the Monroe offense side but that question could be argued back and forth and certainly betters seem to uh, like UL Monroe in their home field in this one Robbie heading to uh what the state of Virginia here with Virginia Tech Old Dominion 27 is uh, what the Hokies laying. I'm guessing on the road. Not sure if this is at Old Dominion or a neutral site, but 52 the total. Yeah, this one's in Norfolk. So old ODU's the home squad here. Um, you know, Drew, they, not much to say here either. One team uh, came out against Florida State opening night and absolutely dismantled them. Now, we've seen what Florida State is under Willie Taggart so far this season. They just haven't gotten things going yet. But it maybe not as big of a victory as we thought opening night. However, that being said, Old Dominion's been horrible. Um, and I just feel like Virginia Tech in 27 might not be large enough. Now, I did read a pretty good article here, which for if you have the opinion that Virginia Tech would just treat this lightly, it's probably not going to be the case because they still fight for recruits in that Norfolk area. So um, it's certainly Justin Fuente and company want to come in and put a good show on against Old Dominion, an in-state team. I think Virginia Tech, 27 to me, just seems small. I think they win that game by maybe six touchdowns. Yeah, it's such a small stadium there. It's interesting they're able to host Virginia Tech. It'll be a, a tough ticket for sure because they have a good fan base anyway. Uh, 401-402 North Texas at Liberty. Uh, looks like 12 and a half North Texas laying on the road, 69 the total, Robbie. For me, I have no idea where the Liberty love affair started except for that first game against Old Dominion because all of a sudden against Army second week, everybody and their brother was in love with Liberty, a team that's playing their second FBS game. Don't know where it came from. Don't know why it exists. Don't know why it continues to exist. I'm much more of a fan of what's going on down there in Denton, Texas with head coach Seth Luttrell and that North Texas team led by Mason Fine. Not only the offense we knew about last year, right, Drew? I mean, they were up and down the field. Uh, They just couldn't climb the hurdle that was Florida Atlantic last year. Florida Atlantic beat them regular season, beat them like a drum championship game. But this team took it to heart through the bowl game and the offseason. And they came back defensively. If you saw that game against SMU, you see just how improved they are on the defensive side of the football, especially up front 
where they can apply pressure and get in the backfield and be disruptive. So I think North Texas by far the better team here. I know Liberty has a very nice passing attack. I don't know if that's enough to play with a, what I consider to be a pretty well-rounded and underrated North Texas team at this point in time. Robbie, moving down the card here, heading to the SEC, a team I know you know a lot about, Missouri, hosting Georgia. Only catching 14, though, Robbie. This number kind of surprised me. I, I, I was I, I was thinking it would be a lot larger, 65 the total. Yeah, last year they lose by 25, right? I think it was 53 to 28. So 25 in Athens, now on the road, 11-point difference playing in Columbia. Perhaps Missouri's a little bit better this season. Um, perhaps Georgia on the defensive side, which had lost a lot of guys to the NFL, hasn't quite been tested yet. We're going to see here. And this game is played at 11 a.m. Central time. So for Georgia... Um, it's about an hour different off. It is an hour different off of the East Coast. I don't know if it'll mean anything as far as body clock is concerned. Certainly not like what it would mean in a Nevada-Toledo game where Nevada comes from west to east. Um, but fundamentally here, Drew, I think a couple of things. Georgia can move the football either way. Whatever you choose to allow them to do, whether it be run the football or throw the football, they're going to do it. And last week we saw that Purdue and David Blau threw the football relentlessly on that Missouri secondary. So while Missouri's front line is improved against the run, it doesn't mean Georgia has to start this game off by running the football. They can work the run in through the pass. And last week, boy, Holifield was tremendous running the football for Georgia. I don't think they can be stopped from an offensive standpoint. That being said, Drew Locke in that offense, I've said it before, I'll say it again. You could argue... And Alabama would probably be your number one choice here and maybe Georgia number two. But I could argue this offense with either of those two as far as being the most well-rounded when you consider all the components. Five returning offensive linemen that have only allowed Drew Locke to be sacked once this year. I think they only allowed nine sacks the entire year last year. The offensive line is tremendous. The wide receiving core just continues to get deeper. Emmanuel Hall's getting a lot of attention this year. But how about the freshman Knox? who scored a big 60-yard touchdown last week. The running back tandem uh, is tremendous. Roundtree, last year's freshman sensation, certainly helping out Crockett there. And the tight end, Albert O, may be the best tight end in the SEC. So Georgia's got their hands full here. I can understand the increase in total. Um, 14 and a half, we see it moved up to. I think Georgia's defense is going to be really tested here. This is a very, very difficult game to call. Power ratings on this contest um, sat it right in that place. So I can't even make a, a good value play uh, on this game. But Mizzou at home, I'll tell you this, they're confident. They like the new offense. It's a cranked up squad. We'll see if they can uh, not only get under the number, but pull the upset. We'll see what they can do. Robbie, moving on, staying in the SEC with the second biggest total this weekend. Texas A&M going on the road to play Alabama on CBS. 61 the total. Looks like 26, 25 and a half if you're looking to bet on Alabama. It's a, it's a tough train to get in front of, I'll tell you, Robbie, but this is a big number. Yeah, power ratings showed it should be 22. It was obviously padded on the opener, and uh, betters have carried it even further couple of things here drew just from a fundamental standpoint alabama over the years has had difficulty with dual threat quarterbacks if you're going to bet texas a&m here you have to be of the belief that what we saw kellen mond do 
to the Clemson defense led by four first-round NFL draft picks uh, this coming April. What he did through the air, throwing for over 400 yards against them, and and with dual-threat capabilities, if you believe in that, you're going to take the points and understand that A&M will lose the game but won't lose it by four touchdowns. If you think that was more of a mirage and that the accuracy Kellen Mond showed in that contest, which was the first time he ever showed that in his career, if you believe it was more of a mirage and you're going to take Alabama and say they'll watch that Clemson film, they'll shut him down, it won't be a repeat of the Clemson game, and Alabama's offense is going to run roughshod over Texas A&M. There's a little bit of Jimbo Fisher factor in here too. Obviously, he's a very good coach and will have his team well prepared. But I really think this is a which side of the fence do you stand on type of bet. Um, the total might be the best way to go here because Alabama has shown us that they're going to score 50 on anybody. I don't know that A&M can stop them from doing so. And if Kellen Mond does get hot, or at least for a portion of this game get hot, then this thing's going to exceed the total. Um, probably the way I would look. Not so sure I'll bet it, but certainly the way I would look. Right. We got a good one in the Big Ten Saturday night, not getting a lot of pub. Wisconsin going to Iowa City to take on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Laying three on the road, 43 and a half the total. Anything uh, betting-wise from you? It might be the most, you know, situationally, Drew, there's two cases to be made. One for Wisconsin and a bounce-back situation. One for Iowa, Kinnick Stadium at night. Uh, the crowd will be crazy. That's a tough place to play. At the end of the first quarter, you're going to see the Children's Hospital salute that they do, which gets the crowd cranked as well. That's pretty um, cool that they do It that. really is maybe the coolest thing they have going in college. And there's a lot of nice um, things done in between quarters. You know, Wisconsin's got their tradition of jump around at the end of the third quarter. <laughs> that one's cool, too. <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot of them out there. But the point being that it's hard to walk into this place. It's a Western Division battle in the Big Ten. It's important to both sides. I still think Wisconsin's the better team, but their laundry list of injuries is insane. And it's what's held them back so far. I really don't put a lot of stock in that loss last week to BYU, which was the most physical. If anything, Drew, what happened last week to Wisconsin was they got prepped to play a physical football team, which they're going to see this week. They hadn't played anything close to a physical football team until they walked into BYU last week and got stood up. I think they'll be ready here. The receiving core getting a little bit healthier as we as weeks go by. The injury list, like I say, is long, but I still believe Wisconsin's the better team here. This is a very, very tough bet and probably a game that could land on three points. Um, you know, if, if we just saw three prior to the start of the season, I think we would have been all over Wisconsin, but the results lead us to where we are today. Iowa's played well. Nate Stanley's played well at quarterback. I think Hornibrook, though, on the road might be able to get this thing done. It's a very, very difficult handicap, very, very difficult bet for me. Robbie, heading out west, we got Arizona State at Washington, 51 the total. Looks like uh, the Huskies laying 17 and a half at home versus Herm Edwards and company. You see any value here? You know, I think Herm, they might be in over their heads in this one. Um, Washington's taken a lot of criticism, Drew, on the offensive side of the football, and maybe rightfully so. I mean, you know, they're they're a highly touted bunch that seems to underperform, but they hear all that noise. I know Chris Peterson hears that noise, and I'm 
almost positive he's going to have his team geared up to go here against it. The good thing about Arizona State performing well to start the season is that Chris Peterson can show his club, hey, listen, these guys are no joke. And they'll take this game extremely seriously. It's a cross-division matchup. Uh, Defensively, I don't think there's any contest here. This defense against the Arizona State offense, I think will dominate. We saw last week San Diego State able to just totally shut down Arizona State's run and for the most part take Nikhil Harry out of the game until the end when Arizona State was making the huge comeback. Um, I don't think there's any comeback in store here. I think Washington gets out early, gets out often, and that defense just rides the rides the wave to victory. Arizona State has not been able to run the football consistently enough this year to get behind in a game like this, in a venue like this, and keep it close. If they get behind 14 zip right away, I don't think there's any coming back for Arizona State. I think Washington has all the tools defensively to keep them quiet. Rob Vino obviously knows this stuff here with college football. Guys, remember the uh, coupon code PODCAST, all lowercase when you're signing out um, for his NFL college football full season throughout the Super Bowl National Championship. Extra $100 off right now. It's a great deal at sportsmemo.com. Robbie will finish it up here, 411-412, Eastern Michigan, San Diego State, the late-night degenerate special, if you will. (laughs) One of my favorite, by the way, Saturday night, late-night action. 50-and-a-half the total. Tough ask here for Eastern Michigan going on the road. Uh, Tough travel spot, really, heading all the way out to San Diego. Non-conference affair, but they are catching 12. Is that enough for you? It'll be tough because we have to eliminate their running game right off the bat here. Now, they've come up with a couple of quarterbacks here, and they've got a little bit of a controversy. Mike Glass III, a maybe, not even maybe, a better dual threat option. Tyler Weiger is the starter for the season, the better thrower. Glass, better dual threat guy. They've got two quarterback system going on here. But the one thing we've seen out of San Diego State, Drew, through three games so far this season is they just erase your running game. They take that running game and they wipe it out, whether you're Bryce Love, whether you're Arizona State, um, Pac-12 schools, they wipe it out entirely and they force you to throw the football. And can Eastern Michigan, which allowed six sacks last week to Buffalo, is that offensive line good enough to protect either one of their quarterbacks to throw the ball against San Diego State? I would say no. I think that the loss of Christian Chapman, the starting quarterback of San Diego State, turned out to be not as drastic as many had thought it might be. Uh, They performed pretty well offensively last week against uh, Arizona State with the backup in tow. So uh, for me, I'm with you. I think it's a very difficult ask of Eastern Michigan to go out there and try and do anything offensively against this team. The problem with laying 11 points with San Diego or 11 and a half points with San Diego State is the same as always. It's so pedestrian on offense. Can they find their way to 24 points to 27 points? And it's difficult for them a lot of times. So um, while I think that they can shut Eastern Michigan down, covering 11 and a half is another story. You might want to go ahead and play under 50 and a half points here. I don't know that this game reaches that uh, that particular number. Rocky Long, when you watch him, he really drains the clock. From the first quarter on, San Diego State's entire purpose is to just shorten the game. And they should be able to do so against Eastern Michigan as well. Robbie, I'll ask you, because you know a lot uh, just about small-time college football. I've watched both of these teams play, and I, I'm thinking about jumping on San Diego State. I haven't yet. It makes it kind of makes me mad that I missed the best of the number, but still there could be value. Um, one is, do you think Eastern Michigan can stop 
San Diego State's running game because I'm with you. You know, this game could end 24-14. You lose your ticket, but San Diego State kind of wins comfortably and coasts to a win. But I could also see San Diego State kind of winning in the range of, you know, 42-7, to you know, just because of the, the talent disparity that I think in, in the travel spot. So do you have anything on Eastern Michigan be able to, to stop San Diego State's running game? Yeah, I would doubt that they can, Drew. I mean, it's a team that's already allowing 230 yards per per game on the ground. They allow better than 200 both ways. So they, I don't think they can. What you hope for with San Diego State and what you often get is you get, and you probably will get it in this game if you bet that side, you'll probably get a couple of turnovers. Like I say, Buffalo got six sacks against Eastern Michigan last week. San Diego State's going to turn their defensive front loose in passing situations, and you can get turnovers and shorter fields, which always help San Diego State out. So I think there's a lot of fundamental circumstances here that could add up to San Diego State covering. All right, great stuff, Robbie. Anything you want to throw out before we shut this down? You know what? Just good luck to everybody this week. I think we're going to be on tomorrow again with the NFL podcast, Drew. So be sure to listen to that as we go through uh, the NFL card. But college football, hey, if you're out there listening, enjoy it. Hope we, I hope you go cash all your tickets this weekend. Been a good run for us so far this uh, so far through three weeks this year. So we will uh, have our stuff up and available either later this afternoon or bright and early in the morning. But we're going to try and get that 20 star up this afternoon. All right, good stuff, Robbie. Look forward to that. 24 and 16 on the year, 60% up 11 units, up 40 units uh, going back since, what, July? Almost 40 units since July 1st. Robbie, absolutely killing it. Great choice on sportsmemo.com. And don't forget that uh, coupon code podcast when you're checking out at sportsmemo.com for Robbie's full season NFL college football package. For Rob Vino, I'm Drew Martin. We'll be back tomorrow with NFL Every Game on the Board podcast. In seven years, he could be playing for Ireland. In seven years, she might get a tune out of it. Wherever the next seven years take you and your family, Kia will be with you all the way. The Kia seven-year warranty. Quality redefined. For 192, discover why Hyundai has so many bestsellers. The i10 is Ireland's best-selling small city car. The Kona is Ireland's best-selling compact SUV. The Kona Electric is Ireland's best-selling electric car. And the Hyundai Tucson is Ireland's best-selling car for the last three years. Visit Hyundai.ie now to see our 192 offers. Hyundai. Discover why.